Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Now, Paul, he opens up the entire gospel here in this letter to the church of Rome. The church of Rome is a very divided church. We have the group of the religious one, the Jews, and they they are disputing positions and, uh, and traditions and preferences with the Greek non-Jew Gentile brothers. And, and Paul expects that these brothers get together, united. And, and he works so hard to make this happen. And in order to do that, he brings the entire message of the gospel, the, totally, the total message of the, the gospel. And the, first, the first block of this book Pretty much from chapter 1 to chapter 8. It seems that the main uh, uh, target reader is the Jewish community of the church. He uses a lot of Jewish illustration. He counts with the Jewish uh, uh, background understanding of history. And later on, he creates this small parenthesis between chapter 9 to chapter 11. Now, and after that, he finally could bring it up what he aimed, what he always has as a target, to which was to resolve the relationship matters. And honestly, he establishes what I name, the title of this message, the normal Christian life. He brings the standards, the pillars for a normal Christian life. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Holy Spirit, fill this room. We yield to you, God. We understand that if you do not open our understanding, we will never get to know you. So Holy Spirit, shine the light of the gospel once again. Let us be transformed by the power of your inerrant, infallible word today. Our hearts are fruitful soils, God. And our minds are captive to the obedience of Christ. Speak with revelation. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Now, I, I could not just like skip from chapter 8 to chapter 12 without giving you a small sample of what chapter 9 to chapter 11 is all about. So, again, he, he writes most of his teachings to the Jewish reader until chapter 8. But for some reason, uh, his main goal actually doing that was to take the pride out of the religious Jewish brothers that were taking their background in Abraham as the means of salvation. He says, don't be uh, haughty, don't be prideful, thinking that because you are descendants of Abraham, you are inherently saved. No, 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 no. We are all condemned. We are all in need of salvation. We are all in need of His mercy and grace. Now, the other side will be the Gentiles saying, all right, Thank you, Paul. We are the best ones. We are the most intelligent Greek ones that understand everything. And Paul writes to them, it seems very intentional from chapter 9 to chapter 11, with extremely complicated rhetorical words. Very hard to understand. And I will not have the audacity to explain what for 2,000 years... 
chapter 11. Because Paul is following God, the Jewish community. And, and think about it. In, from all the ancient uh, civilizations, even the Incans, even the, the Mayas, even the Celtics, why God chose that nomadic people from mi the middle of nowhere in Palestine and said, they were going to be my channel of love and expression of mercy for salvation for entire humanity. And he explains with a bunch of uh, very complicated theological concepts like predestination, in his foreknowledge, in his sovereignty, and all these very big words that you ended up just understanding that you understand nothing. That, that's the big conclusion from chapter 9 to chapter 11. Like you come to, like you, you get to the conclusion that. God is much bigger than my brain can contain. And a simple thing that I maybe can try to bring it to your lap is that we are finite. We are chronological beings. We live in the chronos time. We are determined by the time limits of our life. However, God, His name is I Am. The name of God is the present God. He is I am because he is I am yesterday, tomorrow. He's always in the present. He lives in the Kairos time, not in the Kronos time, in his perfect present time. So God sees our lifespan in his present time. And I know you're still wondering, I don't get it. Awesome. That's the goal. You are supposed to not get it. Because you should get that conclusion by the end of chapter 11. That... We are so limited. You should get to the conclusion of our stupidity and limitations. But instead of being so rude and so dry like I'm being right now, Paul closes this entire sovereignty, foreknowledge, pre-knowledge, his omniscient mind of God in this beautiful way. Chapter 11, verse 33. And that's how we're going to jump in chapter 12. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom, and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments, and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Come on, let's read it together. Verse 36, 1, 2, 3. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't understand. Perfect. You got it. That's how you're supposed to close chapter 11. This is small parenthesis. From chapter 9 to 11 is just to bring us to that conclusion. God is sovereign. It is bigger than our brain can contain. And, and I, I love that he, he aimed mainly the pride of the Greeks. The big philosophers that thought they understood everything. And he, create, he ends with question marks to say, don't be fast to consider yourself better than the Jewish brother. Just be humble enough to say, you don't understand God. He's, he's much greater than you could even think about it. All right. So after that, after expounding the entire mystery of the gospel, okay, Paul 
after dealing with all this, finally, he wants to fix the problem. Like, I could do that. Like, just say, okay, I know Jewish uh, brothers, you're being just like prodigious. You're thinking that your traditions, your holidays are the best. And you Greeks, you think that your language, your philosophies is the way to explain life. Come on, stop with that. This is a, just childish. Just be united. Love one another. Come on, hug, hug one another right now. I want to see it. I could do that. But usually this is just a pretending, right? When we force things like that, it doesn't really fix the matter. What we need is the way of Paul, the way of the Bible. First, it is the gospel. Then come the fix. Now, if you don't get anything from my message today, just bring this principle to your life right now. First, you bring, you remember the word of God. Then we talk our relationship. Let's first remember the word of God. Then we're going to talk about our opinion. First, let's talk what God has done. Then what we're supposed to do. Let's first see ourselves in Christ and then let us see what we should change in our lives. First, we remember the finished work of the cross. Then the work in progress in our personal lives. First, we love. We love because we're being loved first. Then we discuss the issue of the matter. In other words, the order of grace and truth matters. This is how Jesus plays uh, the uh, Gospel of John, uh, John writing about Jesus, he says that Jesus came, the Word of God, the Word that became flesh came, full of grace and truth. With me, grace and truth. And the order of these elements in the recipe of the discussion of our relationship, how we're going to raise your kids, how you're going to deal with that partner matters. If you can simply come, you know, just like, just break the door of your bedroom and say, let's talk about a relationship. Or you can come with grace first and then with the truth. No, Pastor, come on. But my spouse needs to hear good truths. Like she and him needs to hear what the truth. Yeah, but first come with grace and then comes with truth. And then you're going to see the results you're looking for. If you just try to unite the church of Rome... Without first bringing the gospel, there is no fix. There is not actually unity. And Paul says, first, understand the gospel, who we are in Christ Jesus. And then we're going to talk about the matters that are dividing you guys. And that's how actually we come to chapter 12. Chapter 12 is our graduation. It's the, now let's talk what needs to be fixed. And this is how he starts in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, pay attention. We already talked about the importance of our bodies in our spiritual worship. Now, our bodies... It's part of our worship experience. And we are breaking this misconception that even once in history became a heresy called Gnosticism. That whatever I do with my body ultimately doesn't change my spiritual life. It matters. No, this is wrong. It really matters what you do with your body. 
Paul says in Romans 8, 11, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who... who so the whole, all the places He decided to live, He made your body His final dwelling place. A holy, pure, perfect, holy spirit dwells in your body. What you do with your body matters. Many believers think that a spiritual life is detached from spiritual disciplines of the body, but it is not. Romans 6.13, do not present your members, the members of your body, to sin. As instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instrument of righteousness. I'm not going to present my hands to violence, my eyes to pornography, my ears to lies. I don't need to present my feet into doing uh, wrong things. No, I will lies anymore, my ears to dirty moral jokes. No, I'll present my body, my, my, my members as instrument of righteousness. Oh, pastor, come on, but you're rebuilding legalism. No, I'm not doing that. Verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law. It's not about the law. It's about you entering the overcoming life. The life of the overcomer. Actually, someone said that to me. By the way, this is a good one for your Twitter this week. Very good. Someone said that champions, overcomers, champions do daily what losers do occasionally. That's a good one. Come on, take a note of that. Think about it. Champions do daily what losers do occasionally. Think about someone that you admire. Someone that you know has that kind of marriage you expect to have. That kind of parenting and wisdom that you wish you have. And you're going to look at disciplines that that person, that couple, that man, that woman of God has and cherish. And you're going to say, they just do it what I'm supposed to do daily. And that's something very interesting because usually these overcoming people, they are around us. They are here in the church. They listen the same Sunday message. They go to the same life group. But what makes a difference is because they do daily what others do occasionally. And this can be you. Just bring it every day. You don't need to wait the next conquer conference. You don't need to wait the next encounter to revive your heart. Just to start doing now. Not, to, not, not, not after the service. Now. Let me hear a good amen in this house. I know you're looking at me and say, come on, Pastor. No, I'm, say, I'm saying what Paul said. Our members is our, a expression, our expressions of spiritual worship. Our body matters because eventually every scene will manifest there as much as every character attribute. So whatever you cherish will eventually manifest. Now, I, I know that this... In, in, like immediately cries for the next element that brings behavioral change, which is our mind. There is a place for our mind. Ultimately, every behavior started with a thought that became a truth inside of your mind and eventually a decision of your will, a choice 
of your will that became a behavior. And a behavior repeated many times became who you are. So the, the place of the mind, Paul reminds us here in Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. If you're born again, if you're genuinely a believer, a Christian, born again, a normal Christian, you have the desire to know God's will. Say amen. amen. If you're that person that it doesn't matter, you know, I just want to know uh, my, I just want to fulfill my own cravings, and you are dis like despising everything that has to do with God's will, it's probably because you're not born again. But if you're really, genuinely a son, a daughter of God, you want to fulfill God's will in your life. Say amen again, everybody. Now, the problem of bringing to pass this, this divine will in our lives is that we have some blockage, some hindrances in our minds. We don't accept the things in God's way. We have these preconcepts, these strongholds, these opinions that are stronger than what God is trying to convince us. And God used the Gospels, used the pastor, the discipleship, and tries to convince us. But the big problem is in our mind. And we know that we can also detach our mind from our body. I come in this week very tired after working hard. Our Vine Christian Academy, our daycare, which, by the way, we're going to be open by the end of November. Spread the word. We need to fill that with many kids. Actually, 70, 75 kids, not more than 75. Um, so we need you helping us out. And coming, coming back home, my son asked, Dad, how was your day? And I was still in front of the computer. and said, I'm still on it. He says, what do you mean? You're in the house. It says, yeah, I, my body is in the house, but my mind is still working. Give me a few minutes. I'll be back home. Says, he just left the room and says, real room. Just weird. Room. Just like, and, and Saturday, yesterday, finally we had a family time. We were lunching, and he sitting on the table. He says, Dad, are you at home right now? It says, yes, I am. For a few minutes, because I have to prepare the message for tomorrow. For a few minutes, I'm home. So we know that, that our minds can be somewhere else. But everything God, God does... He does by His Spirit and by His Word. That's how transformation happens. Jesus is talking to the religious people, speaking why they were wronging, why they were making mistakes, Matthew 22, 29. They were making mistakes because they didn't, did not know neither the Scripture, the Word, nor the Spirit, the power of God. The creation was created with the Word and with the Spirit. Genesis 1-2 says the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. The Spirit was acting. And God, verse 3, said, let there be light. And there was light. Repeat with me. Everything, Everything. God does. He does, he does through His Spirit and through His Word. Transformation in your mind, in your life, will only going to happen by the Spirit 
and by the word. And, and look, the order of the factors here doesn't really matter. You don't need necessarily prioritize one on another. But you have to balance your diet with the power in the scripture, with the spirit and God said. That's why in our service, we have worship, spirit-filled, spirit-flowing, overflowing, but also we have deep teaching that leads you to not only just have uh, emotions and excitement, but now have the complete recipe for transformation taking place in your life. Now, but how to be transformed, Pastor? How can we experience what Romans chapter 12, verse 2 Talks about transformation. The word in Greek is metamorphao, which immediately reminds us of metamorphosis, metamorphosis, which is that uh, in that complete change of appearance. And it's very interesting because this week my wife found in one of our albums of photo a picture that was I think was taken in 2015, and there's me and my cousin Mario. And we're just alike. Like we have grown beard. We had big ears. We're just like this, like two twins. And I look to him right now. He has this big curly hair. And he has beard. I'm shaved. And I said, thank God we are changed. At least outside we are changed. But are we changed inside? Because metamorphosis or metamorphosis, it's supposed to be that inside out transformation. But you know what? Another word that came to mind when I found the original of metamorphao is metabolism. It reminds me about that inherent process that occurs within a living organism in order to maintain life. Someone that eats a piece of meat or cake and chemically change that food, that meal, into sugar, energy, protein, and life, which made me to make this statement. Pay attention. Transformation is essential to the normal Christian life. In other words, if you are not being transformed every single day, week, there's something wrong with your Christian life. Someone that meets you today and finds you in five years, cannot see the same person. It's supposed to be a metamorphosis, a change, a transformed person. Let me hear a good amen in this house. Because I don't want to see the same person in five years. I want you to change not only your style, not only your, your beard shaving or not, but your heart. That's, that's what our church is all about, transformation. Transformation that makes you a normal Christian, a standard Christian. How can we be transformed? 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Time alone with God, devotion time, worship time. You are just beholding Him. But how this, how this transformation really happened, I know is mysterious. And the symbol that Paul uses is the ancient uh, bronze mirror. 
that because of light, the light of the sun was heating up that surface, inevitably that image will be embedded on that mirror. We're going to change, we're going to form an image on that mirror. And we in the same likeness, reflecting God's presence, glory, Shekinah, presence of God in our lives, we are mysteriously changed, follow me, in the same image. We love Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that says that everything works together for our good. But if you read the previous verse, it speaks about that we were predestined to be in His likeness, in His image. Which means... Behold God's presence. Never belittle the importance to be together in this building. To be together in your life group. To make that circle and worship God together. While we are raising our hands, our lifting up our voices, believe me, there is this transformational power over your life. How can we be transformed when we do not conform? Not conforming to this world. Do not be conformed, Romans 12 verse 2, to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean what John says in 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What I mean is, don't have your priorities on the things of this world. That's okay to follow football season, but really don't love it. Don't, don't make it that a priority above your family. Above the church. Above what really matters. Don't love the world. That's okay to have your favorite Netflix show. But don't make it your TV show. Oh, I have to go home because I have to watch my program. It's not yours. It's still NBC program, not yours. It's still the, you know, like the broadcaster, not yours. Don't turn it yours. Don't love the world. Verse 16, for all that is in the world... The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. 17, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Okay, if I will be more straightforward with you, let's go to James 4.4. James doesn't sugarcoat it or beat around the bush. He says simply like this, you adulterous people, you that love Someone else. That's adultery means. Like you're loving someone else. Now, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. God forbid of something. Man, if you want to be enemy, the last person should be an enemy of God. You don't want a ham in the other side of the field. You want a ham in your side of the field. And it's sad to say that James is writing for believers that sometimes team up with the worldly concepts, the worldly mindset. Don't do that. Don't, don't squeeze yourself into the shape of the world about marriage, about sex, about uh, uh, what else? All this crazy stuff that the world tries to bring it up. Gender. I said it. I said it. 
no, seriously, I'm really, really mad about this. Like, today is so hard. You cannot just enjoy a family movie without an agenda in it. And they really want to squeeze it into their form. Thank God for my kids are saved. Thank God my boys are really boys. Because, you know, watching right now the last, you know, uh, blockbuster, like, they're, they're bringing again as a normal abnormality. It is not normal. And they want to force you to shape yourself into the... No, we will not. I'm not going to let my family be conformed to this world. Amen. Neither you. Yeah. Neither you. Amen. How can we be transformed? We fill up our minds with the things that matter. Yeah. Romans 12, verse 2 again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul said about that in the amazing chapter, Romans 8. Verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Set your mind. You stay firm. You are unshakable. You stay firm, rooted into the things of the Spirit. And you feel that thoughts, that ideas inside of you until it becomes truth inside of you. That becomes beliefs that encourages you into decisions that turn into behavior that eventually become who you are. That's transformation metabolically. That's transformation from inside out. You behold the glory. You don't conform to this world. You fill your mind with the truth. Not with the opinions of the world. Now, I really want to close Romans. But we still have 14 chapters ahead. How are we going to do it? The way that teachers like to do it. We summary things. So please stand up with your Bibles in your hands. And I selected small nuggets of Romans for us to read together. And really close our Romans study in the next Five to seven minutes. So follow up in your Bible right now. We're going to close Romans reading all the next chapters of Romans. Let's close Romans chapter 12. And I'm saying this because the next verses we're going to read, they are self-explaining. They are in itself, like we named the message of today, the standard of a Christian. The normal Christian lifestyle. Are you guys ready? Say, I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Romans 12, verse 9. Paul writes to us, Let love be genuine. No hypocrite, but sincere. I love, I love the, I learned about the word sincere this week. Sincere means without wax. In Portuguese, it makes so much sense, and also in Spanish. Without wax. We're not just passing a makeup. Is with genuine love. Love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Look at me. There's never an extreme honoring when it happens from a genuine love. Let's create this culture in this house. Do not be slothful in zeal. 
Be fervent in His Spirit. Come on, let me hear some shout of fervent spirit people here. We are Spirit-filled. We are charismatic. We are Pentecostal. We are Spirit-fervent people. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm already feeling. Serve the Lord. Verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Life, life group season is ending. I need new hosts. I need new hosts. I need hospitality. Be a culture of this house. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals in his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let us overcome evil of Southwest Florida doing good. Let us be known not for what we're against for, but the things that we are for. Let us overcome evil with good. Let's jump to chapter 13. Verse 8. Pastor, but I just, I just want a practical thing. Just give, give me some, some practical rules. Just practice laws. Just give me the commandment. Yeah, I know. I know you like commandments. Verse 8. Oh, no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law for the commandments you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal you shall not covet and any other commandment are summed up in this word you shall love your neighbor as yourself let's go to our personal tastes our our preferences of music our preferences of style oh, pastor, but I'm not such such kind of Christian that's why I don't join my life group I serious I think you are more mature than that let me appeal to your maturity this morning like Paul did Paul said for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness it is a matter of peace it is a matter of joy in the Holy Spirit Amen. that's what makes us church it's not our hairstyle it's not that the way we speak our Christian knees no the kingdom of God is much more than what we eat drink it is peace righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit now, you guys need to know that this brings unity. When we have such mindset, this brings unity. And unity brings power. Let's jump to Romans chapter 15. I told you we're going to read the whole book of Romans. 
Romans chapter 15, verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Take a look in verse 13, the same chapter. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Are you guys ready to close Romans with me? So let's glorify God together in Romans chapter 16. Verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery. That was kept secret for long ages. But has now been disclosed. And through the prophetic writings. Has been made known to all nations. And I know you thought it was just like this little corner of Southwest Florida. But God is interested in all nations. And if we were faithful with this message, He will use us. We're going uh, uh, to like, lift us up to express this powerful message. That is much more than a doctrine. It's much more than a theology. It is the power of God to save everyone who believes. According to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Repeat with me. Obedience, obedience. of faith. Obedience. Say it again. Obedience, obedience. Of, faith. of faith. There is no other thing we need to do just to be obedient in faith. Believing. To the only wise God be glory forevermore. Through Jesus Christ. And the whole church said. Amen. I don't know who's going to listen to the message. I don't know who's going to. Who is here. Who is Jesus. You need to give space to this message that can transform your life. Not make up. Not pretend. Not put you into this religious stereotype, but really metamorphose you, change you from inside out. Would you pray this prayer with me? Divine Church, help me out in this prayer. Say to God, say, Lord Jesus, I need transformation. Don't only you can do in my life. I open my heart. I call you my Savior. I yield to your spirit. Holy Spirit, change my life. I give you my all. In the name of Jesus, I pray.